Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Don't screw around with me, Maverick. You're a hell of an instinctive pilot. Maybe too good. I'd like to bust your butt, but I can't. I got another problem here. I got to send someone from this squadron to Miramar. I got to do something here. I still, I can't believe it. I got to give you your dream shot. I'm going to send you up against the best. You two characters are going to top gun. Welcome back. You are listening to Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Tonight's episode, Top Gun. Beware, spoilers. Coming to you from Miramar, my name is Don. And to my right, we have our comic book guy, John. Talk to me, Goose. And to my left, we have the professor, Ken. Requesting permission for a flyby? Negative, Ghost Rider. The pattern is full. Mm Mm-hmm. Tonight we were talking about Top Gun, which uh, leads me to this uh, question. Professor, why are we talking about Top Gun? We are talking about Top Gun because the likelihood of the sequel to this movie, Top Gun Maverick, is most likely going to end up being the highest grossing movie of the year for 2022. And with that in mind, I thought we need to uh, review Top Gun Maverick. But if we're reviewing Top Gun Maverick, then we got to review Top Gun, which also incidentally happened to be the highest grossing movie for 1986 by a lot. And so there you have it. And that's why we are talking about Top Gun. I'm going to list four more movies. Tell me which movie was the second highest grossing. 1986, right? Yes. I'm going to give them to you in random order. Uh, Well, I should fucking hope so. So... Uh, I'm going to give you Back to School, Aliens, Crocodile Dundee, The Karate Kid Part 3. Uh, it's Aliens. No. What is it? Crocodile Dundee. What is it, sir? Crocodile Dundee ah. is the second highest. That is a fucking travesty. Aliens. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. Aliens number five on the list. Oh. Speaking of Aliens, when are we going to talk about that? No shit. Okay, moving on. Game over. Why don't you put her in charge? I could do it fucking all night long. Released on May 16th, 1986, Top Gun was directed by Tony Scott. Screenplay by Jim Cash and Jack Epps Jr. Based on the article, Top Guns, by Ewood Yonway. And it stars Tom Cruise, Kelly McGillis, Val Kilmer, Anthony Edwards, Tom Skerritt, and a bunch of other actors. How'd this movie do, Don? This movie was made for $15 million and it brought in $357 million. And it also raised uh, recruitment by 500% in the Air Force. Yeah, had I been old enough to join, I probably would have. Yeah, I heard that they had um, recruiting stations set up outside of theaters in Los Angeles to yep. recruit people. Uh, do you remember where you were when you saw Top Gun? professor in the theater okay do you remember the experience at all 
Uh, not necessarily, but I remember I just fucking loving the movie. It just, boy, I, I, I got so pumped up watching this movie. I loved it. I am sure that I saw this probably half dozen times in the theater alone. Sir, do you remember when you saw this for the first time? I know I saw it when it first came out, and my dad took me to the theater to see it because it's one of his favorite movies. I remember going to the theater and seeing it and just being wide-eyed, open-jawed. Uh, every time they went up in the planes... I mean, fucking Top Gun, you know, uh, love it or hate it, was uh, a life-changing movie. You know, at least for me it was. Uh, I quote it all the time. So do I. Uh, the soundtrack, I still think, is one of the best in uh, movies. I sure listen to it a lot, too. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it was a fucking game changer. So think- going back and looking at it now, uh, this was a good call, Professor. A good call on... Uh, Wanting to review this. Just the, the sounds of the jets flying by, especially like in, an, in a situation where you could actually hear them, you know, coming from the back and flying past you just blew my mind away, I think, back then. Yeah. Another game changer is that this became one of the first uh, uh, video released movies that was of an affordable amount. And because the previous movies were expensive, like a hundred bucks or something like that, they are uh, not priced friendly, but this was one of the first that was priced at a reasonable range that people just started snatching up. Yeah, it came out at thirty dollars, twenty nine ninety five, I think, to actually purchase the movie. Do you know how they got the price down? I do not. Pepsi bought commercial time right in the beginning of the video to help bring that cost down. Yeah, there and you be- go. I think it became the Christmas stocking stuffer of the year. Oh, I remember having it. Oh right, that's it was the uh, the airplane flying upside down to pour the Pepsi out. Yes. Oh my God, I remember that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Where was Pepsi in the movie? Uh, on the table when uh, Wolfman. Yes. Is it Wolfman says, "Crash and burn, huh, man?" Oh, Slider. He says, "Slider, you smack." Yeah. 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 yeah There's two it. of them. Yep. There's yep. two Pepsis. That's it. So one of the other people that you didn't mention in the credits was Michael Ironside. And Michael Ironside, I thought he was a, a really strong character, a supporting character in, in this movie. And I, I know him best from uh, from Total Recall. And what was the other one that I got him in? I remember Oh, him. Starship Troopers. Yes, very much. He's the teacher in yeah. Starship Troopers. I'll, and I know where you're going, I'll, so hit I'll it. I'll always remember him from V. Absolutely. The, the TV The series. Resistance uh, bad boy. Yeah. Uh, him and Mark Singer, uh, mm-hmm. Donovan. Yeah, they Look always went to head-to-head. Yeah. And uh, he had the Chunky Guys as partner, mm-hmm. and they were always, they were the guys. Mm-hmm. The guys. Yeah, I remember that for sure. Yeah, the uh, IMDb has them down for 278 credits. Yeah, I believe it. What the fuck, man? That is a lot. I guess he was so good in the role that at one point he just was, I think, walking down the hallway. Yeah, and and someone thought he was a lieutenant. There was a military person running down the hallway, and he stopped them from running, and they stopped, saluted him, and then kept going. Professor, how did this do uh, at the award season? Uh, It got nominated for uh, editing, original song, uh, sound and uh, sound effects editing, but it only won for uh, original song, Take My Breath Away. Which, ironically, is my least favorite song on the soundtrack. Pretty much. You know, and watching it again last night, every time they fucking have to be in the same room. Oh my God. <laughs> Did you read about the. Uh, singer, you know, Berlin, uh-huh. uh, the lead singer, and her Academy Awards fiasco? Uh, no. 
basically she got a call that they wanted her to come and sing the song at the academy awards and she initially said well do i get to sing the whole song and they went no we just want a clip of it for a montage she said no then i'm not coming she didn't know they were going to win it so she didn't even go to the academy awards and i think that's the only thing they've ever been really nominated for well, no, they were nominated for Best Film Editing. Are no, you no, talking no. about Berlin? Berlin itself. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that yeah. was their big award-winning moment, and winning an Academy it. Award, and she skipped it because they wouldn't let her sing the whole song. Hey, Pride's a motherfucker. Fuck Pride. You know, speaking of montage you just mentioned there, that is one of the things that I enjoyed about Top Gun. No montages. Kind of going along those lines and talking about, you know, what I saw when I was just a little kid versus seeing it now. This is probably like maybe the second or third time I've actually ever seen Top Gun. And this is the first time I ever realized there was an actual storyline to it. Oh. I think before I just paid attention to the jets and the, the volleyball and the cockiness and all that. I never really paid attention to the whole actual love story going on in the background. <laughs> volleyball. <laughs> uh, I've seen this movie a gazillion fucking times. You know, I can quote it front to back. Um yeah, it was a fucking staple growing up. Did you want to talk about anything about casting? I I can't even. I, who Matthew Modine? Who? What Stranger he Things? He's Papa. He's Papa. Oh yes, him. Okay. Fuck, I'm the man, Professor. Mm. What the fuck? I guess Matthew Modine was the lead runner to be in to play the role of Maverick because Tom Cruise had a lot of trouble making up his mind whether he wanted to be in the movie. Uh, do you think it would have done as well with Matthew, Matthew Modine? No. Instead of, top, instead of uh, Tom Cruise? No, 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 no. This, this film was written for Tom Cruise without it being written for Tom Cruise, if that makes sense. Uh, him in this role, whether he drives you nuts or not, I believe that he's Maverick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I cocky mean? fly boy. That, oh, completely. And there are times in this film I don't like him. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, if we're talking about this cast... Uh, Tom Cruise, uh, 86. I mean, this this is like lighting the fuse this for Tom Cruise. This was his Cruise, breakout right? role. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tom Cruise is who he is today because of Top Gun, I believe. And What was the movie he did right before this? Legend, and bitch. How, and how did that movie do? Oh, it fucking tanked. It tanked. Have Which you ever I, seen it? I like it. I own it. Yeah. Uh, I like uh, Tim Curry in it. Tim Curry That's is what amazing. I think too. Yeah. As the darkness. Yeah uh kelly mcgillis would you guys think of kelly mcgillis as charlie it was an interesting pick they went with her in that she had done a couple of big big roles but um she was kind of lesser known but an older actress and it was interesting pairing her with a younger tom cruise do you think that kind of that chemistry worked for you no i didn't buy their chemistry i didn't buy it in 86 i didn't buy it last night and it has nothing to do with her being older than Cruz or that whole aspect of it um i just didn't think that she really played the part all that well i guess i don't know there's something about kelly mcgillis in that role that bothers me she's a she's a good actress and i'm not trying to knock her down by any means i'm just saying for this role i didn't think she worked I'm kind of in the same camp. The only place where I thought that she did work was at the beginning in the bar when she's dressing Tom Cruise down, when she's dressing Maverick down. You know, how long have been doing this since puberty? You know, th- those uh, those insults to him. I think it's once she becomes smitten with him, it kind of falls off the rails for me because I like the bit when she shows up, you know, as the, yeah, uh, as yeah. the liaison. 
and uh, Maverick's reaction is great. But those bits are good, you know. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't know. That's just me for that. I read that uh, while they were filming this, the two actors did not get along. So that might be some of the chemistry issues that you're seeing. What I do appreciate is if you know who she's modeled after, which I believe is an actual uh, person named Christine Fox, and you see pictures of Christine Fox, she looks so much like her. So I can see why they went with her. Interesting. Val Kilmer, Doc Holliday himself. He didn't want to do this movie. I heard that, yeah. Well, he was was contractually obligated to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And when you think of Val Kilmer these days, what movies do you immediately think of? Well, Top Gun. Heat. Real genius. It's it's become just synonymous with him. Tombstone. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can keep going. But, I mean, just top of your mind, the first one you mentioned was Top Gun. Only because we're talking about it, and probably I would anyway. But, yeah, yeah, uh, Iceman, uh, cold as ice. He was. He was. He was a, a great uh, foil for Maverick to have. I agree, hundred percent. And I feel like it was a perfect pick in that they were picking, you know, the pretty boy Tom Cruise to kind of play this lead character. They needed another, just you know, another pretty boy actor who could play his opposite. Oh yeah. And I think the two of them head to head were very believable. Yeah. I'm gonna have to say that my MVP of this film is Anthony Edwards. Uh, Goose, uh, watching it again last night, I just fell in love with Goose all over again. What's and, not to love about Goose? And, you know, to this day, uh, his death is fucking heartbreaking. To this day. The music and, oh. We'll talk so about it. I know. I, I, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, but it is. I'm just throwing it out there. So what'd you guys think of Goose? Uh, he's. I think he's my favorite character. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. He is definitely one of my favorites in that um, he had some of the best reactions and one-liners and just the fact of, you know, the way he worked so well with Tom Cruise. So just out of curiosity, do you know how uh, pilots get their call signs? Uh, no. John, any no, ideas? No, I was actually thinking about that earlier. So what I've been told is that, and I'm sure somebody will correct me if I'm wrong, what happens is typically when somebody joins the squadron and they all go out for drinks and over the course of the drinking that happens, everybody else comes up with what your call sign is going to be. You don't pick your own call sign. The guys around you that you fly with, they pick your call sign. That's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, I was trying to figure out what our call signs would be. Obviously, yours would be the professor. I think that's kind of a no-brainer, right? I mean, you see the professor on your helmet? I could see it Mm -hmm. for sure. Or just professor, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what our... Oh, I like that better. I don't know what our call signs would be. Yours would be um, comic, comic book. I was, I was thinking uh, dickhead. <laughs> no, I could see yours being the dawn. Yeah, or dawn. <laughs> um, oh no! I actually I thought about it earlier. Yours would be bronco. Broncos. I can't put the S bronco. Why? Why can't you put the? Because you're singular. Maverick, goose, Iceman, Wolfman, Merlin, Cougar, Sundown, Viper, Jester, Hollywood, Charlie. Charlie. <laughs> Uh, you said Hollywood? Yes. Oh, Chipper. That's the only one we didn't get. So when you guys think of Tom Cruise movies, would you put Top Gun in one of his as one of his top three movies? I think it's in the discussion. I'd have to think about it. You're kind of throwing a, sure. a curveball at me. And just right off the top of my head, the, the movies for Tom Cruise that come into mind are, yes, Top Gun, any of the Mission Impossibles, mm-hmm. um, 
And, you know, you have fuck, a few good men pumps to mind, Risky Business, um, Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow is definitely Minority Report, War of the Worlds. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of movies in that catalog. So it's worth discussing to say it could be in a top three. I'm going to go ahead and say I'm confident it is in my top three. How about you, John? What do you think? You know, I'm thinking about it. Uh, this really kind of set... The, the typecast role for Tom Cruise going forward in a lot of movies. I mean, he played a lot of, you know, this similar character in a lot of movies. So, yeah, this would be in the top three because this is the template that went on to be his future. Uh, but for me, if I had to pick top three, the one above it, the top movie would have to be Tropic Thunder. Yeah, well, I mean, if that's what makes you, if that's what you think of when you think of Tom Cruise, kudos, because he's fucking unforgettable in that film but i mean he's in it for like two seconds though so it was such a stretch for him to kind of play this different character that wasn't the pretty boy that i thought he stood out in that movie so are you saying that he was typecast as the pretty boy i think in a lot of his movies that he got his initial roles not just for his acting but a lot for his looks interesting In, in the early on i think he proved himself but if you look at his earliest roles you know do you think he got it for his acting chops or do you think he got it because he had the model good looks plus he could act? Well, I mean, the, 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 yeah, the good looks don't hurt. I mean, trust me, I've had to live with that all my life. So what about you, good sir? You know, I think that it could be in a discussion for top three. He's definitely got Top Gun in the top five. I don't know if I'd put it in the top three. It very well could because I totally dig him as Ethan Hunt. And then how do I pick which Ethan Hunt role do I want him in, right? And then I love him in Edge of Tomorrow. I, I think that he is really solid in a lot of other movies as well. So it's hard to say if I could put him in the top three, probably. But it's definitely an epic top Tom Cruise movie, hands down. U.S. Naval Aviator Lieutenant Pete Maverick Mitchell and his radar intercept officer Lieutenant Nick Goose Bradshaw. Stationed in the Indian Ocean aboard the USS Enterprise, fly the F-14A Tomcat. During an interception with two hostile MiG-28s, Maverick missile locks on one, while the other hostile locks onto Maverick's wingman, Cougar. Maverick drives it off, but Cougar is so shaken that Maverick has to defy orders and shepherd him back to the carrier. Cougar gives up his wings, sighting his newborn child that he's never seen. Maverick and Goose are sent in Cougar's place by CAG Stinger to attend Top Gun, the Naval Fighter Weapons School at Naval Air Station Miramar. So when the movie opens, it says Indian Ocean present day. It bothered me the first time I saw it in the theater, and it bothered me the last time I watched it. Every time it says present day, that always kind of sort of chaps my hide a little bit. Really? Yeah. I never think anything of it. The, The opening for me kind of bothered me in that they give you that whole thing to read about the storyline, but then later on in the movie, when they get to the Top Gun school, they recover all of that, exactly why they're at it and why the whole program was set up. So what was the point of the opening? Uh, to let us know, to tell you up front what you're about to get into. But then they talk about it later, so they tell us again. And tell me, <laughs> dude, that happens all the fucking time. Okay. All the time. Go back and watch Man of Steel. They tell you the plot four times. Um. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't think about it because a I probably didn't read it, and I'm pretty sure I didn't read it last night. Um, because what gets me always with the with the opening is the opening music, right? And so that immediately on deck, yes, in in golf shoe. 
This opening to me was absolutely captivating. Uh, we it open pulls up, you in so well. Right, and uh, and really they're just taking off and landing and, and the credits are going over it. And then uh, in the beginning with the Top Gun anthem, they're getting into place, right? They're getting ready to take off. And then the Kenny Loggins song hits and they start taking we, off. As soon as we leave the flight deck, then the guitar kicks in. Right, and then they land and we're going through the day and they're just giving us uh, a glimpse of what happens on this aircraft carrier. And I remember thinking last night, fuck, this is beautiful. This, it was so well shot, and um, it's all practical. This is the real Navy pilots doing this shit, and back then it was phenomenal, and last night it fucking holds up 100%. I know they're older planes, and it's not 1986 anymore, but go back, and if you're going to watch this movie, watch the fucking aerial stuff is just fantastic. It is breathtaking. Yeah. One thing that I read about like the opening and some of the pacing of this movie is that they were trying to capture what they called the MTV era music video technique, which was kind of this quick pace clips combined with, you know, popular, you know, popular music that would grab the viewer right as the whole thing starts and get you into it. Do you feel like, did you kind of see that MTV feel to it? No. Like you were kind of getting into a music video? No. Did you at all, Ken? Mm-mm. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's what apparently they were going for. Well, apparently it worked because it was the highest grossing movie of that year. I'm just saying it was a different style, I guess, than other movies had used. But then after that, it was widely imitated afterwards. Um, interesting. I just thought of it as an opening. And so if I, now I'd have to go back and think because that's a bold statement to make, especially talk. for a film to come out in 1986. Mm-hmm. Everything opened to music. So I don't, I'm, even the style of cutting, um, I don't know, interesting. But did, they, did a lot of movies back then start with a popular song or a, basically like a pop music type song like that with the action going on? Yeah, I'm sure they did. I, I think mean, a lot I'm, of them started with instrumental but did they start with the actual? See, now song? you're gonna make me go back and fucking think. Uh, Rocky three started with Eye of the Tiger, 1983. Did it? Okay. Uh, let me keep going now. Um, Rocky four, 1986, came out before. And we we'll use that. I'm kind of thinking if you're using Rocky as an example, it would be like Rocky starting with a fight with a montage of him fighting, like they always have later on in the movie. Imagine if it started like that, kind of like this music video feel. It does. That's what I'm saying. Does it start with a montage? I didn't think it started with kind yeah, of that it, whole... It starts with the uh, ending of the first film. Mm. Every Rocky starts with the ending of the first film. And then, at least for two of them, Eye of the Tiger comes on. So, I don't know what you're reading or who's saying that, but interesting. You didn't talk about Tony Scott. What do you want to talk about? I was surprised at how many movies he has done. He has done... Uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2, Days of Thunder, uh, uh, Last Boy Scout, uh, the uh, True Romance, Crimson Tide, Enemy of the State, Man on Fire, Deja Vu, The Fan, Unstoppable. He was a solid director. When did he pass away? Oh, 90s? Late 90s? I think it was like around 2012. It might be that late, yeah. When was Unstoppable? Unstoppable was Chris Pine and yeah. Denzel. Two ten, 2010. That was a Tony Scott film? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of Don Simpson. Don uh-huh. Simpson died early. And so I was thinking, because I knew Tony Scott had died, because that's really Scott's younger brother. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, 
So I didn't realize that it was, I guess, later? I was just surprised to see how many other movies. That's an impressive fucking catalog. Yeah, you know what and I mean? yeah, those are those are those are fun movies to watch. What's your favorite one out of all of them? <laughs> Talk about uh, railroading this fucking podcast. I, I got to go with Beverly Hills Cop too. Fucking solid choice. Last Boy Scouts on there for me for sure. Beverly Hills Cop Two is good. I dug Crimson Tide, but I also liked Enemy of the State. So we are introduced to uh, Maverick and Goose. They are. Um, up in the plane and the migs show up on radar and then uh we see the people on the ship dun, 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 dun. <laughs> uh uh you know they kind of introduce us to maverick and goose so speaking of the opening right we talked about life on the deck and how beautifully that was shot let's go up into the airplanes where we get a, a slice of maverick and goose up there with uh, cougar and Mer- merlin I was so struck later on when I found out that Merlin was Tim Robbins. I know, crazy, huh? I I, I didn't realize that till much later. Yeah, me too, me too. Uh, and the guy Clay's Cougar is John Stockwell, and he is he was in one of my favorite '80s movies, uh, My Science Project. Yes, and he didn't probably do much after that, but he didn't do a whole bunch. But yes, yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're introduced to these four, and uh, what'd you guys think of this this whole opening and um, all the way up to, you know, getting Cougar on the deck. What do you guys think? I thought it was a great way to introduce our two characters, especially Maverick and Goose in their relationship of how well they work together and how they both kind of have the same attitudes and they kind of, you know, on the same wavelength. It, it was a great way to introduce them. I dug the cinematography. The camera work was, oh my gosh, it was jaw dropping at the time that I saw it for the first time. So pretty. Yeah, yeah. And you feel like you're there. Yeah. And every time they have to look around or they're all, or whatever. And I mean, it's, especially when the planes go by and this, that, and the other. Um, I like the scene, you know, they come out and they have to do a dogfight. And Maverick takes care of his make pretty quick. But uh, Cougar is, uh, Cougar's in trouble. And so Maverick has to come back and help him. Um, The bit where he inverts his plane. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're uh, working on foreign relations. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you guys think of that whole bit? I, I love mean, the was, Polaroid camera. It was fucking great, wasn't it? One thing that always bothered me, though, when he rolls off of the plane, when they cut to the wide shot of him rolling off the plane, he's like eight miles away from him. And it just, he, he's way off. Yeah, perspectively, it doesn't look right. But you get the idea. And actually, that I guess that was a real move. I mean, they really did that. So you know kudos and that little blip i guess i could live with um but yeah what'd you guys think of the bit where uh maverick's uh, gotta walk him home yep maverick's gotta walk him home so so as the plane is coming in and we are watching the uh the the aircraft carrier swing back and forth across the cockpit window and then we get a shot of the airplane swinging back and forth as it's coming in holy shit i thought for sure that that is that last seconds of cougar's life that plane is going to crash on the deck i thought for sure that's what was going to happen oh yeah and and they do such a good job of building that suspense you know well that was supposed to be cougar's last scene he was supposed to die in a fiery crash as it hit the aircraft carrier but uh the military decided they didn't want that because they didn't want to portray how exactly dangerous it was these planes could be and that there were a lot of air you know crashes so they had them take that out of the movie yeah and it's smart 
mm-hmm. right? Because they land safely, and then we cut to uh, Cougar quitting and turning in his wings. And uh, I like that exchange, even though it's really brief between Cougar, Maverick, and Goose. As Cougar's walking out, Goose looks at him and goes, Cougar, like, what's going on? And Cougar, instead of getting into it or doing whatever, looks at Maverick and thanks him. And he's the only person that's that ever thanks Maverick in this film. So um, not that Maverick needed to have thanks or whatever, but I just thought it was a good moment. I thought it I thought it was good. I always felt this scene was a little confused. Or no, the scene after this was a little bit confusing when we find out that Cougar was supposed to go to the Top Gun school, but because he's out now, Maverick gets to go. Right. Is that because Maverick had been busted so many times? Because Maverick's obviously the better pilot. Was Cougar better at the time why would he get to go over maverick i just assumed he was i just assumed uh maverick and goose were number two that's how they introduced them to us as and so that's how i took it i never thought about why he was number two i didn't Mm. care i guess i don't know but uh for being a rule breaker and being a maverick that's quite fucking possible i thought when he went through all the you know the reasons he'd been in trouble and you know being with the was it the admiral's daughter and all these things that maybe that's why he wasn't the first in line. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Uh, he's number one now. So uh, when the uh, when the, the pilot is given call the ball, that is the pilot taking uh, the responsibility of lining his plane up with the air with the aircraft carrier deck uh, traffic controllers. I guess there's three of them that are responsible for uh, allowing a plane to land. And depending upon what all three of these people think as the plane approaches, they are either going to call him off or let him come on board the deck. And apparently uh, an F-14 fighter coming on board a deck is so precise that it is estimated that the pilot's head would pass through at the plane of the very at the very back of the deck his head would pass inside of a three foot by three foot window. That's how precise that they are typically landing. Yeah. Well, I think they would have to be right. I mean, you're you're talking about a $30 million plane. Fucking incredible. Yeah. So Cougars out, Maverick and Goose are in, uh, they get sent to top gun. And this is where we get one of the iconic shots, uh, cruise on his motorcycle and flying along with the jet. Uh, apparently, he didn't know how to ride a motorcycle before this. Do you guys know that? Yeah, he learned it for the movie. Yeah, and he pulls it fucking off. Yeah, you know. he, he went to, I guess, a motorcycle dealership, and they taught him out in the parking lot. Yeah. Um, and Danger Zone is played here, and it's played two more times, I believe, throughout the movie. At least two. So we'll see if you guys can guess where they're at. The day before Top Gun starts, Maverick, assisted by Goose, unsuccessfully approaches a woman at a bar. He learns the next day that she is an astrophysicist and civilian Top Gun instructor, Charlotte Charlie Blackwood. She later becomes interested in Maverick upon learning of his inverted maneuver with the MiG-28, which disproves U.S. intelligence on its performance. On Maverick's first training hop, he defeats instructor LCDR Rick Jester Heatherly, breaks a major rule of engagement by reckless flying, immediately breaks another rule by buzzing the control tower at top speed. Maverick and Goose are reprimanded by Chief Instructor CDR Mike Viper Medcalf. So I want to open up with, uh, it's our first day in, in, 
in flight school and we meet Viper and Viper is talking to everybody. And this is where I feel like we really get um, our first true flavor of goose when uh, Iceman mentions about the plaque being hung in the women's restroom. Is <laughs> That, oh, you kill me. That laugh. You that, kill me. That crazy, crazy laugh. You can't help but smile when he does that. And I think that this is one of, what, 10, 12 moments throughout the movie where, where Goose's character just, you know, he imbues you. He, you know, you just embrace him and you love him for his character. Yeah. Uh, and this is also where we get to meet Viper. Uh, played by Tom Skerritt, and he's just kind of going over uh, what Top Gun is and what it was designed for, like the title credits. Uh, but Tom Skerritt does it with some style. This is also where you kind of get to know your pilots, and the camera really focuses on Maverick and Iceman, and you know, and then we get the whole bit of uh, uh, who's the best. You know what I mean? In and case so, you're wondering who the best is, yeah, right? Yep. Yeah, and so I thought this was a great introduction uh, to all these characters. Talking about Tom Skerritt for a sec, it's nice to see a, a local guy in this movie. I mean, he's from around here. He lives around here. He's a Seattleite. In fact, my dad had the opportunity. He went to a wedding a little bit ago, met Tom Skerritt. He was one of the guests at the wedding, and says he is the nicest guy. Actually, sat and talked with him for a while. All right, so we get to the bar, and then that's where we get the iconic "You've lost that love and feeling." And I got to say that um, Goose once again more more uh of his iconic lines they were abused children you know one of my favorite lines of his is so subtle god i hate it when she does that oh yeah <laughs> she's lost that love no, no, no she has uh, oh, god i hate come it come on mav <laughs> i hate on, it when mav. she does that <laughs> yeah so good um it, and i was gonna say you said an iconic scene it's definitely one of those scenes that anytime you think about top gun does that scene not pop in your head well yeah that's what makes it iconic that's what he just said. Oh, I'm just saying, I, I want to appreciate it more. <laughs> and this is, where we, this is where we meet Charlie. Yes. And can we talk about, speaking of stalkers, um, so he goes and they sing to Charlie and he talks to her for a minute, but it doesn't quite go the way he's hoping. You know, clever pickup line. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, when she uh, says, my friend's here, you know, nice to meet you and... Uh, uh, she walks away. Do you know who she was having dinner with? Are you talking about the older guy that Charlie goes and sits down with? Viper Peter Pettigrew. Yeah. Wait, is that a Harry Potter character? You think? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that would be a great to include in my precious moments for Harry Potter. Yeah, and this is the scene where uh, Maverick just kind of follows her into the bathroom. I mean, that's kind of a ballsy move, you know? Um, goes in there, tries to get a date again. Think he was a little too aggressive? A little too. No, but I really have to appreciate when they left the bathroom and what she said as she walked by Goose. And the the fact that she kind of played along with it, I mean, kind of lightens the uh, creepiness factor of it, I yeah. guess. Because uh, she really could have f- uh, flipped the fuck out, right? Mm-hmm. But she plays along. What did you? What did you have in mind? Did you just want to drop down on the tile and go for it? And I love the line, even though, whatever. I love the line where he says, uh, no, I was thinking about this counter. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, when she leaves, uh, she plays along with it. Say something like, uh, your friend was great. Or- yeah, your, your friend was magnificent. And Cruz comes out adjusting his zipper. So good. And Which- Goose. Now. 
Uh, so now we cut to the next morning and uh, Jester is introducing a civilian liaison that's going to help them with their flighting maneuvers and just the whole um, theory of it or the education of it, if you will. And it turns out it's Charlie. And she is talking about information in particular about negative Gs with the MiG-28s that is immediately found to be not necessarily what Maverick and Goose have experienced as they talk about it amongst themselves. Right. And then um, there's a there's a dialogue that goes back and forth. And this is the bit where Maverick is explaining and he says, well, your intelligence is incorrect. I've seen it happen. I was there. I started up on a six and Goose without skipping a beat. We. Oui. Sorry, Goose. We started out. How, how many times have you and I done that in our friendship? Uh, right? So um, I fucking love that line. It's so good. And I, I would say I really appreciate, too, the background banter. The kind of goose pops in, you were saying, every so often. I love when he's talking about it and he goes, well, I have a picture. It's really good. Yeah. And then uh, did you know that when Iceman goes, bullshit, that was ad-libbed and their reaction is real at that moment? That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then goose turns around no no man it was real good i got a picture of it and everything you know so they played along it was good and so it it sets us up for there is going to be some some bantering some foiling that is going to happen as charlie and maverick are going to be uh, playing off of each other and figuring out what their relationship is going to be and the trap has been set right and what does it is the fact that maverick has gone up against a mig 28 and charlie is fascinated by that because she's uh, trying to get this new job normally she says it uh when they're talking she sees 20 new fresh face recruits every eight weeks mm -hmm. she doesn't get involved with students but as soon as he mentions the mig and she's um when she says so you're the one Last night I was thinking about it, and I never thought about this before. But had she heard about that incident, but they wouldn't, but they couldn't tell you who the pilots were because it was That's classified at that it. moment. That's how I took it. Yeah, so that immediately sparks her interest, and now she has a hook to try to get to know Maverick. Mm -hmm. So after this classroom session or whatever it's called, they go up into the first hop, and it's Maverick and Goose against the Jester. Again, we were talking about the soundtrack, and this is where Cheap Tricks' Mighty Wings comes in. And that's, I mean, I'll listen to that song anytime, anywhere. You know what I mean? I fucking love that song. Uh, but it plays so well with what's happening and the action on the screen. And just the banter between uh, Maverick and Goose, and, you know, they have to get this job done, and they're going against Jester. And there's even a bit where, um, you know, Jester's flying, and he's like, damn, this kid's good, right? Mm -hmm. uh, both him and Viper say that. And uh, Jester has to go below below the hard deck. And what's the hard deck? Is it 10,000 feet? Yeah, but what is the hard deck? The hard deck is a uh, safe, uh, arbitrary point that is given for the pilots not to uh, go down below. And it's, uh, it's, de it's deceiving uh, when we're looking at this because there are several shots where we see, we're in the hills and then we have one shot also where the uh, planes, where um, uh, it's Maverick in front and Jester behind, and they go overhead, and, and then their shadows go immediately over us. They're not that far above us, and so if if they're you know a couple hundred feet up, 
that's 10,000 feet. That's not a lot of playing space, you know, between that. So if they're going below that, that, that safe zone, wow, that's really, really dangerous. Here's my question. If Jester's going below the hard deck and the rule is you cannot go below the hard deck, doesn't he automatically get disqualified and don't Maverick and Goose win anyway? I think the rule was you couldn't continue the combat once a plane goes below the hard deck. So once Viper, it's like basically, you know, when you're playing tag and you have the free base or whatever, you know, he flew under it. They had to call off their pursuit of him. But I agree with what Maverick but, said. But he's running. I know, but what Maverick said was he basically took the coward's way out and he went under because he knew he they were going to get him. So they chased him under because that was his trick to try to get away. Right. I, I get all that. What I'm saying is as soon as he went under in the rules, he should be disqualified because the rule says you can't go after him. And if you're not supposed to break the rules, and I get why they put it in there and why Maverick does it, um, I, I feel that you know Maverick and Goose should have won that anyway because that's what I think too. Jester was taking the chicken shit way out. That's what I thought too. You know what I mean? But I think Jester is allowed to do it. I think that's how Jester is allowed to end. Well, the combat. that's hypocrisy because he's not the one being judged. It was Maverick and Goose, and they were supposed to call off their pursuit if he went under the hard deck. So. Do they not get the win? No, they didn't get it for that one. Because the guy, when they got chewed out later, he basically said, you broke the rule. You continued the pursuit. After he went under the hard deck, it doesn't count. And uh, Iceman and, uh, was it Viper? Slider. Slider call him out in the locker room too, saying, it doesn't count. You, you got him under the hard deck. Yeah, well, I, I still think that was a chicken shit way out. Yeah, and that's what Maverick responds with. So then Viper dresses down Maverick and Goose. And uh, I got to say that right before that happens, you know, they get the win and you get those uh, guitars playing and, 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 and we're circling, you know. Yeehaw! And, yeah. Jester's dead. And you're just like on top of the world. This is awesome. And then they do the flybys like, yeah. And then right after that, we get that dressing down that um, is given to Viper. And then this is also the bit where we're first going to uh, learn about the, I'll hit the brakes and he'll fly right by. Yeah. Because that comes back um, again and again. No, it's not. So. Um, I, think, I think that might have been foreshadowed. Oh, you I motherfucker. Knew it. Why did you even talk about that? Because I saw him do this. Can, out of can, my peripheral. Can we talk about some other foreshadowing? Nope. But then right after they get out from the dressing down and then you get the, well, that was real fun. I love how throughout the movie, Yo, Goose definitely supports Maverick, but you can kind of tell under his breath with a lot of his comments, he's like, stop, just let us play by the rules. And then, and then we get um, an important scene right after this, which is Goose goes and visits Maverick to kind of sort of tell him to, you know, you need to straighten up and fly right. And I thought that was an important scene to, to let us know that um, Goose does have maverick's back but not at the expense of his own career right i mean he even tells him you know i have a i have a family i gotta look out for them i gotta do what's best you know um and this is where uh maverick says you know you're the only family i got i won't let you down i promise so yeah and i thought that was just an important scene to to have that because it resonates that um you know the maverick has nobody else besides goose goose is everything to him yeah and i gotta i gotta say that it's the bits in this film when we slow down 
and we're not in the air, we're not doing airplane stuff. Um, it, it kind of drags a little for me. And I think that this bit is almost repeated again, uh, in a more, I don't know if it's subtle or a quick way further on in the film. Um, but watching it again last night, I have to say that, uh, the soundtrack when it, these scenes are going on kind of keeps me in with it. So, you know, I, it is an important scene. It's important for the film. Um, I don't know, just sometimes when the movie slows down, it, it takes me out of it. Privately, Jester tells Viper he admires Maverick's skill, but he does not know if he would trust him as a teammate in combat. Top student Lieutenant Tom Iceman Kazansky is a rival believing Maverick's attitude foolish and his flying dangerous since he often abandons his team to pursue reckless objectives, making him unsafe to fly with. In class, Charlie also objects to his aggressive tactics, but privately tells him that she admires his flying, omitting it from her reports to hide her feelings that they begin a romantic relationship. So it's in this time that we have Iceman going off, and uh, he he does uh, he he does you know you're dangerous, and then Maverick comes back with that's right I am dangerous, and I don't know what the of his teeth that Iceman does after that is supposed to be. But it's so iconic. It's so iconic Val Kilmer, right? I think the the teeth, and later on, he kind of does the whole sniffing thing where he sniffs up in the air. Those are the two things I think of with his character. Yeah. Um, And apparently, Cruz and Kilmer didn't get along, so that tension was real. So that was good. Yeah, they purposely uh, stayed as far apart as they could to create that animosity between the two of them. Yeah, yeah. And we only get to see Iceman fly twice, I believe, in this film. Um, but he's the best, or he's what everyone's gunning for. Him and Slider are in the lead. Um, I really like kind of the direction they went with Iceman because, you know, they kind of build him up to be kind of the anti-hero, the villain of it, but he's not really the villain. He's a team member, and a lot of what he's saying to Maverick is true about his, about the character. He is pointing out his flaws, so I don't feel like he was the bad guy. In I never movie. thought he was the bad guy. Who thinks he's the bad guy? A lot of people feel that he was the bad guy, and he was the competition. Well, you know, we had our hero. Just because the competition doesn't make him the bad guy. I know, but that's how a lot of people portray him. But well, a lot of people are wrong. He, he wasn't a bad he's guy. He's not the bad guy. Mm. He's the antagonist, but he's not the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Not at all. So we also have... Um, uh, the volleyball game in this time and the volleyball game oh my gosh this is what drove ticket sales so stupidly high at the time because the women always every woman that i know that saw this in the theater they always talk about the volleyball scene yeah and that and this is one of those scenes that again you can't talk about top gun without talking about this volleyball scene i guess i just have one question yes it is soft porn now, that wasn't my question. What's the point of the scene? It doesn't drive us anywhere. No, we already it, know that no, all doesn't. four of those guys are good buddies, right? Ride or die partners. We already know that. It's, Why the scene? Oh, this ought to be good. Please. It's just supposed to build tension and, and the competition between them, that everything to them is a competition. You know why it doesn't? Because the Kenny Loggins song, Playing With The Boys, and I'm going to keep referencing this fucking soundtrack, uh, is the only thing that... I bought in this, this whole scene. You know what I mean? It's because that song is so fun and upbeat that I didn't get a real, I didn't, I mean, competition. Yes, but it was, um, I don't know. I, I, I guess I don't get the point of the scene. Oh, I, I, I totally get what you're saying. 
it doesn't propel the story in any way. Right. Did you hear about the issues with filming this scene? The cinematographer who was in charge of filming this scene actually used production, you know, the cameras and all that for a whole day to shoot the scene of the volleyball scene. And the producers were pissed about all the money it cost to spend the whole day filming. But it turned out it was one of the most popular scenes in the movie. Well, yeah, it was a popular scene that doesn't take us anywhere. And it was Tony Scott, the director, who got the shit oh, for it. Yeah, yeah. I did hear about that. It taking a full day to shoot this scene. And the, uh, the studio was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> but it fucking paid off. So, I mean, that goes to show you not everybody knows what they're doing when it comes to making movies. And we're going to prove that in about three weeks. So when we're supposed to be listening to you? Right, right, right. I loved one of the last lines in the volleyball scene. Mother goose, you pussy! <laughs> so loved good. that line. Yeah. And so this is this is uh, also taking us to um, a, a time when we have just passed over. Charlie also kind of sort of publicly dresses down Maverick, and uh, uh, she says, even though it's labeled as a success, it is an example of what not to do. Didn't this happen? That happened after the volleyball scene. Yeah. Well, they have dinner after the right after the volleyball scene. They have dinner, mm-hmm. and this is where we get to know a little bit about Maverick's backstory, why he is the way he is, kind of, mm-hmm. and that Charlie's really interested in getting this Meg story. Um, and I have to say, this is kind of where the character for Charlie for me kind of went downhill. So he gets up and leaves, and then we see them together again in the elevator, and clearly there is chemistry between the two of them now. Right, right. And uh, that elevator scene was uh, filmed after the production had wrapped. Uh, Tom Cruise was doing Cocktail, maybe? No, he was doing Color of Money. No, you're 100% correct. He was doing Color of Money, and uh, Kelly McGillis had another job. That's why her hair was different. She was wearing a hat. Um, Didn't really need it. Mm -mm. Uh, And I got confused. Is that the next day? It was hard to tell. I read somewhere that test audiences, when they first saw the movie didn't think that there was enough scenes with the two building a love connection. So that's why they brought him back to film the elevator scene. And the lovemaking scene later was added as well because I guess the test audiences said there needed to be more of a connection. Yeah, and yeah, I, I get why they put it in there, but I cr- chronologically, where does it fall? I was watching it with cap, uh, captions on because that's how I watch everything. And they say good morning to like an animal or to each other. So I'm assuming that it's the next day. And then we meet Goose's family. And Goose's family is so darn adorable. Meg Ryan, she, she's perfect for yeah. this. Yeah, I like the line where they're walking out of the airport. So Goose tells me you're in love with one of your instructors. And he, the Goose, again, right? Oh, no, what? You weren't supposed to say that. <laughs> good interaction. I mean, they were perfectly cast. Mm-hmm. Perfectly cast. I guess uh, Anthony Edwards and Meg Ryan actually dated for a little while after the movie. Yeah, I heard that too. Yeah, interesting. Very sweet. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, so now we're into the, uh, the the training session where Maverick is uh, scolded, if you will. Viper saying, "You, this is something you never do. What the fuck are you doing?" And then Charlie runs the simulation, and she. It turns out that Maverick's uh, gamble paid off. Uh, the MIG never got a clean shot off. Um, but they said this is how... If this is an example of what not to do. Yeah. And have you ever been so mad at somebody or um, just really irritated that you do exactly what Maverick does when Charlie's walking behind him and she's trying to talk to him and he walks and then gets on his bike and turns it on. He's all, I can't hear you. 
Are you are you a baby maverick? Is is that what's going on? Are you pouting like a little baby? I do that um, probably every other week after I leave here with you guys. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> no, you're not. Um, yeah, I, I I like that bit. What do you think of the chase scene after that with her basically running the lights? I liked her fucking car. I That's I, I was sure thinking too. the same thing. I love that car. And uh, the line where he says, uh, "I will have you know that when I fly, my crew and my plane come first is another one of those quotes that sits in my repertoire that. Sometimes I'll just bust out every now and then. That scene where she finally catches up to him and she admits that uh, she couldn't reveal her feelings. That's why she couldn't talk about all of it. She didn't want everyone to know uh, that she was falling in love with him. And he kisses her. Did you know that that scene was ad-libbed? Yeah, because he forgot the lines. He forgot the lines, so he just went ahead and went yeah. in for the And kiss. that's the shot that they used. And it looks, now that you know that, when you go back, he, it, it, it has always looked like he was searching for something to say. And it turns out he really was. He just forgot what it was. But, I mean, I guess the kiss works. I mean, because, but then we get the. Just over and over again. From here on out, anytime Charlie and Maverick are on screen. You weren't a big fan of that song. Oh, my God. You know why? It's because every day in 1986, they played it 18,000 times on the radio. And back then, we didn't have Spotify. We didn't have iPods. You know what I mean? We had to listen to our shit on the radio. Did you ever make a mixtape that had to be on it? Uh, not. I never put Take My Breath Away on the mixtape. Same. I, I had a live, made a lot of mixtapes there, buddy. But Never had that. Uh, you know why? Because I just don't like the fucking song. This also leads us to uh, where they sleep together for the first time. And I remember thinking in 1986... Am I supposed to be using my tongue like that? And so I'm I'm going to go ahead and admit that uh, Top Gun helped me learn how to kiss. You are an excellent kisser. Thank you. Thank you. Never kiss me like that. Well, he doesn't use the tongue. You haven't taken my breath away. On Training Hop 19, Maverick abandons his wingman Hollywood to chase Viper, impressing Viper with his flying abilities. Still... He is defeated when Viper outmaneuvers him so Jester can shoot him from behind, demonstrating the importance of teamwork. Jester publicly tells Maverick his flying is excellent but should never leave his wingman. Maverick and Iceman, direct competitors for the Top Gun trophy, chase an A4 in Hop 31. Part of the scoring in every flight is the time taken for every dogfight to conclude. Noticing that Iceman pulls time during his chase after the A4, so his total score remains higher than Maverick's. Maverick pressures him to break off his engagement with the A4 to shoot it down himself. However, his F-14 flies through Iceman's jet wash and suffers a flameout of both engines, going into an unrecoverable flat spin. Maverick and Goose eject, but Goose hits the jettison aircraft canopy headfirst and is killed. This is uh, really one of the times that I can remember if you, for, I mean, for when I saw the film, this was like one of the first times I thought, oh my God, I can't believe they killed, they killed Goose. You know, in today's day and age, nobody's really safe, right? You, you kind of, depending on the movie you're watching, you wouldn't be surprised if one of the main characters got killed. But back in 86, when they killed Goose, you were just like, what the fuck? Do you guys remember feeling that after he died? Totally. Yeah. I had a good man cry. 
Oh, absolutely. I fucking cried last night. I guess this was the second scene that the military uh, said that they want to change. Because, again, Goose was supposed to die in a fiery crash. And they wanted it to look more like an accident killed him rather than a crash killed him. Thus not making the life of a fighter pilot so perilous looking. Mm -hmm. But before Maverick and Goose go up uh, with Iceman and Slider, they have to fly with Hollywood first. And this is the first time we see Viper in the plane. Good morning, gentlemen. The temperature is 110 degrees. Holy shit, it's Viper. Viper's up here. I love how cocky fucking Maverick is, right? Oh, yeah, I bet he's saying, holy shit, it's Maverick and Goose. And Goose. Yeah, I'm sure that's exactly, <laughs> exactly what, what he's, he's saying, saying. fucker. <laughs> so good. Yeah, but you kind of had to know that uh, Viper was going to knock him down a notch, mm-hmm. right? Um, so they have some really impressive flying sequences here. When you first saw this scene, and maybe it's just you know my recollection from seeing it just recently, but when Maverick pulled away from his wingman, which he wasn't supposed to do, did you say, oh, fuck, what's he doing Stick with your wingman. Why is he going after him? You know this was going to screw him in the end. Yeah, I mean, they kind of telegraph it, right? But uh, Maverick has to learn his lesson. Maverick has to be humbled. And when Jester finally shoots him because Viper baited him into following him, uh, I like the bit when they're in the locker room when uh, Jester walks up to Maverick and says, that was some of the best flying I've seen yet. Right up until the point where you got killed. Never, ever leave your wingman. You know, and that's been a staple <laughs> in movie history. I also totally dug uh, Viper uh, talking about how good, it, you know, that that small talk that he was giving in his cockpit about how impressive Maverick's flying is. Yeah, yeah, he, he was really uh, impressive. Uh, but this was also the second time where Maverick has to go up to Goose and say, I'm sorry, I'll never do that again. Which you know he will. Well, yeah, and so, I mean, it's a recurring theme with Maverick. And then Goose tells him, you know, we're still in it because Viper got Iceman too. And I like how they threw that in there to let us know that Viper's that fucking good. I mean, he was the first guy to ever win the trophy, right? Mm -hmm. So I like how they threw that bit in. And so now it comes down to the... um, But but we get one other little moment in here that's so darn fun. Are you fucking talking about them singing Great Balls of Fire? Yes. Oh, for fuck's sakes. And the classic line. All right, go ahead, fuckfaces. The line of, uh, take me to bed or lose me forever. Yeah, that's the line. I just thought it was a really fun little moment that lets us see one last, you know, iconic goose with that crazy, goofy smile that he has. And I, I loved listening to uh, him just going pounding away on the piano. I remember thinking the first time that I saw it that, yes, I love this scene and it's fun and Meg Ryan is adorable and I just love Absolutely. it to death. And then they fucking pull the rug out from under you. No shit. So now going back and watching it, yeah, it's still fun and it's a good scene and, you know, it's memorable. It's definitely memorable. So now we're up to Hop 31. And this is what we've been waiting for. Maverick and Goose versus Iceman and Slider. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Well, is it really versus them or are they both competing for the same target? But Okay, 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 hang on. What's the difference? The difference is they're not going head to head. They're both basically uh they're not really going against each other at this point because Maverick's supposed to be his wingman at that point. And he actually diverts away and tells Iceman to fly off so I can take over. He is supposed to be assisting Iceman at that point. So they're not going head to head. They're not competing at that point. 
It's not until he, you know, Maverick decides to fly off on his own to try to get Jester. Yeah, but what? What's the point of the hop? The hop is to fulfill the mission. I. What's they the are mi- assigned a mission, what's, which is what's the mission? The mission is that Iceman's the lead. That's that not that's Maverick's not, the, that's the wingman. That's not the and mission. And that he's supposed to assist in getting Je- Jester. That, that's not the mission. What was the mission? Did they outline it in the beginning? The mission is to score the points. They are in a competition at a school. They're also learning to fly together. I understand that. But you're saying it's not a competition. The whole and I'm thing saying it's a competition. But you, say, you said a second ago, this is where we get to see them go head to head. Well, because they're flying together. Are they facing? Or okay. Are they in the true sense of the technical term going head to head? No, John. That's they're not. Saying. But somebody's coming down with a kill. Mm-hmm. Which one of them is getting the kill? Because and one is number one, and one is number two. So you can say technically they're not going head to head, but yes, they fucking are. But what are they? 100%. What are they being judged on based off of the previous hop we had just seen? Time. They're also being judged on whether or not he left his wingman. Well, have he had he left his wingman and that scenario turned out completely different and they won, they're having a different conversation. I guarantee you that. I don't know because earlier on, uh, did Maverick not get scolded even though when he shot, he got Jester, he went under the hard deck. He got scolded even though he won there. He got taken away because he broke the rules. He broke the rules of engagement. Leaving your wingman, I don't think, is a rule of engagement. That that's oh. a that's a uh, probably a pilot. I'm, I'm not saying it's not a rule or it's not uh, a a practice. Uh, whatever I'm trying well, to say, there is an argument uh, pro and con here. Whereas Maverick did tell Iceman, "Get out of the way. Let me take over." And Iceman wouldn't get out of the way. So the question is: Is he had told him, "I'm no longer going to be your wingman." I want to take the lead, and Iceman wouldn't relent. So it goes back and forth whether or not Maverick made a mistake or did Iceman make the mistake. The only reason why Iceman is the lead is because he cut Maverick off. He got there Maverick first. Maverick was first. Maverick said, I'm in. And so, I that mean... Son of, son of a bitch, he cut me off. That's right. So, I mean, as far as... I think leaving your wingman is like a, a underlining rule. You just don't do it. But in this case, in this... This isn't your normal battle situation. This They're at a school. They're fucking competing, mm-hmm. and they're number one and two, and they're fucking going head-to-head on the same team. There. Mic drop. <laughs> and so then we get the jet wash. And the jet wash, that is something that is uh, a really, really big deal in flying in general. Yeah. And I, I never really understood what it was until I got older. You know what I mean? And so Maverick flies through his jet wash and um he gets caught in a flat spin and he can't reach the eject the ejection and so he tells goose to do it goose does it something fucks up oh boy you just you you, everybody in that theater must have just gone oh watching his head hit that yeah and then they land and he's just fucking broken and it's so fucking heartbreaking watching him go down into the water and God, what a beautiful camera shot of the pink sky and the green in the water with the Coast Guard helicopter. And they did a really good job with the practical effects. I've, I mean, I've always noticed it, but just Goose looks all fucked up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because he had to hit that fucking canopy hard. Uh, obviously, it broke his neck, right? So devastating. 
Absolutely devastating. I think I already know what your answer is going to be to this because Maverick was cleared of it. But do you think either Iceman or Maverick has some responsibility for Goose's death? You bring up a fantastic point, and I want to get there in two seconds. Okay. Before we get there, uh, the shot where they're pulling Goose out of the water. And he's slowly and he's just, swinging around yeah, in his, his head. lifeless body. Did yeah. you think he was dead? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, come yeah. on. How do you not tear up every time? Every time. Every single time you know, I tear up. You know where I teared up was not when he was just holding the body. It's when the diver came in and said, you have to let him go. Oh, yes. That's that's the one that hits me in that he had to basically Look, he's watch tearing the body up. taken Look, away. He's tearing yeah, up. Yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, I am. Absolutely. Yeah. Fucking if that, if that's, I mean, that and that's what movies are meant to fucking do, uh, which is, I say that, and then you guys are going to hear my rating. You're going to go, what the fuck? Well, um, the term is, you can have a good man cry over that one. That one's allowed. Yeah. Well, I don't, I'm, I. <laughs> you don't have a heart. so we No, well, no, you're the one without a heart. I'm the one without a brain. And then uh, we cut to, you know, Maverick, the aftermath of this, and he's got to deal with it. And he's in the uh, bathroom or whatever. And this is where Viper comes to talk to him. And he says, uh, you know, Goose is dead. And Maverick's like, yeah, I know. Um, I thought the scene was, uh, I thought the scene was uh, very well done. Tom Skerritt definitely uh, fucking ruled this scene. You got to let him go. Got to let him go. Yeah. Um, and then we come to the court. No, but before that, right after that, the very next scene, we have Charlie, and and she is talking to him, and she tells him, "I'll be here if you need me." And so we have uh, the affirmation that he does have people around him that do care for him. When she's dropping him off. Yeah. Yeah, to the courthouse. Uh, so he goes in, and he's cleared of all wrongdoing. And, um, you know, they say, determined that once you flowed through the jet wash, the engines went out, there was no recovery, you know, you're not to blame. However, I have to ask the question, why is he flying through a jet wash? And you bring up a really good point there, comic book guy. Um, is is this Maverick's fault? No. Is this Iceman's fault? No. Well, the two arguments that are given for this is that first argument is Maverick was directly responsible for Goose for Goose's death, in that it was his fault in the chase and je- uh, chase of Jester. Maverick continued the leftward turn, uh, which basically took him through Iceman's wash when Iceman wouldn't get out of the way. So he was purposely following too close and went through that jet wash. Uh, when if he had just stayed in the same position, let Jester take the, or let Iceman take the shot, Goose would never have died. The other argument is is that Maverick got on the comm and told Iceman, "You're taking too long. You go to the left. I'll go to the right, and I'll take him out." And actually, if you watch it, Iceman went the wrong way, and so he cut across in front of him, causing Maverick to go through the jet wash. So. Both of them kind of turned at the same time. That's what caused the problem. So in a way, it was both of their their both faults, in my opinion. I didn't get that at all watching it. Um, when I thought about it, or when I saw it, um, I, Iceman's kind of a dick, right? I mean, he flies ice cold, and I think he holds a, a little bit of the whole situation in his hands as well. I mean, he should have broke off. He even says it. Uh, I'm 
too close for missiles. I'm switching to guns. And Maverick's being patient with them, right? He's going, ice, ice, take the fucking shot or get out of the way. And even, I think, uh, Goose says something like, come on, uh, ice, get out of the way or whatever. And then he goes, uh, fuck, I'm out, I'm in. And then you're right. They go the separate ways. Um, but, you know, at the time, their egos and their uh, need to win is outweighing and they're not thinking about what could possibly go wrong. And, um, that's what I thought too. That's exactly what I thought it was. Are they responsible for goose's death though? Um, I don't know. I guess, I guess I could say, uh, if the Navy doesn't think so, then who am I? I just thought that the culpability was not revealed on screen. Right. The board of inquiry clears Maverick's responsibility for goose's death but he is overcome by guilt and shaken. Charlie and others try to console him, but he considers quitting. He seeks advice from Viper, who served with Maverick's father, Duke Mitchell, on the USS Oriskany and was in the Vietnam War era air battle where he was killed. Contrary to official reports faulting Mitchell, Viper says he died heroically. He tells him he can succeed if he regains his self-confidence. Maverick chooses to graduate and Iceman wins the Top Gun trophy. After he's cleared, uh, Viper and Jester have this conversation and just uh, Viper looks at Jester and says, send him up. Keep sending him up. He's got to get over it. He's got to get over it. And this is the bit where he is flying and they're trying to give him an easy win, an easy victory, but he doesn't take it. He can't get back in the saddle. Right. He, he says, won't engage. Yeah, there's no good. No good. No good. And he flies and uh, the line, I will fire when I am goddamn good and ready always comes to mind and mm -hmm. another one of my fucking quotes is it before the inquiry or after the inquiry that maverick packs up all goose's stuff and delivers it to uh meg ryan it's after it's right after that was another scene that was just heartbreaking and i love how she delivered the line of he loved to fly and he would have done it you know with or without you yeah yeah, yeah. so kind of giving him the clearance of you can go on without him. I thought that was a, a, a modestly dick move that Maverick does in taking Goose's dog tags, not letting the wife have the dog tags. I thought about that too. Yeah. I thought about that later on when he gets rid of the dog tags. Of, whoa, whoa, whoa. Fucking spoiler alert. That Well, you already revealed the spoilers. But uh, wouldn't his son have wanted the, those dog tags? Yeah, probably. So after Maverick gives Goose's belongings to his wife, he quits. And yeah. then I think it's Wolfman, one of the Rios, uh, uses the phone and calls someone and says, yeah, Maverick just quit. And we can only assume that he called Charlie because now they're sitting at a bar and uh, Charlie goes to, to talk to Maverick. Talk him out of it, hopefully. And again, this is Maverick kind of being a little crybaby. Did you get the line about, I'll have what he's having, Hemlock, I believe? What did, what's the representation of Hemlock? Uh I believe it was uh, Socrates who, when he was convicted for oh, yeah. certain knowledge and in influencing the youth, he was sentenced to death and they made him drink a poisonous drink made of hemlock. Even though he's a dick, I kind of like the line where he says, if I wanted help, I would have asked for it. <laughs> so Charlie's like, okay, well, fuck off then, I guess. Yeah, I guess I'm already too late then. Yeah. 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 So yeah, you go ahead and you quit. And so now you've got that move. You've got that maneuver down real well. Yeah, he does. And so now he goes to look for uh, counsel 
and he wants to get the advice of someone. So he goes to see Viper. And I thought this was a great scene because, you know, Viper says, uh, I get a lot of trouble for telling you this. Uh, Everything's classified, but here's what really happened. This is what happened to your dad. And I think that it gives Maverick some some sense of closure with it and kind of helps him uh, make up his mind. And as he learns about his dad. Yeah. I do feel like, you know, as you were saying throughout the whole movie, what's driving, uh, Maverick, what do you, besides his ego, I feel like there's a chip on his shoulder because of what happened with his dad. And the fact that he, you know, knows in the back of his mind, it couldn't have been his dad's fault. His dad was an awesome pilot. And so this helped take that chip off his shoulder. Besides the fact of goose dying, this made him a better pilot. Yeah. And he's chasing a ghost is mm-hmm. what he was doing, right? That That's his motivation, uh, I believe. And yeah, uh, Viper helps with that and, and alleviates that for him. And he helps him decide to graduate, you know? And I thought this was, uh, uh, I thought this was a good bit that he did show up to graduate with his, with his class. He did crash though. Where's, where's Maverick? I don't know. And then he shows up afterwards, right? We, we see we see Iceman with holding the you know the placard that says Top Gun, and then we see him walk in, and it's across the swimming pool. Yeah, so he didn't. I probably didn't make the ceremony. He crashed, like you said. Yeah, um, but it was nice to see him go up and congratulate Iceman. Yeah, and that kind of takes me back to a scene that we skipped over. Uh, the moment in the locker room when Maverick's clearing his shit out, and Iceman walks in, and what does he say? He doesn't say Maverick. He says Mitchell. He says Mitchell. He uses his name, and he's trying to be genuine. And thinking about it last night and kind of thinking about what we were talking about, about whose fault it was, I couldn't help but think that when he's saying he's sorry, and you can clearly see that he's searching for something to say, um, I I kind of wondered, was he going to say, I'm sorry for the way things happened, I should have left when you told me to, blah, blah, blah. But he just ends it with, you know, I'm sorry about Goose. Everybody liked him. I'm so sorry. One of the things, the thoughts, you know, when I originally saw this movie and he does that kind of sniff thing where he, you know, breathes in that air real quick. I always thought that was just this weird kind of, you know, emotion that he's given right there. Like, what was that all about? The weird tick that he had. But then I thought, well, like last time I, you know, when I just watched it the other night, he's Iceman probably for a reason, which is he doesn't show a lot of emotion. And I thought maybe that was his way of holding back the emotion of bringing it back in before he talked to Mitchell. Maybe. Maybe. I I just chalked it up to that. He is, uh, he's got words stuck in his throat that he wants to say, but he refuses to say. That's how I took it too. Yeah. So at graduation, um, the party is cut short and there is a issue. Viper and Jester deploy some of the newly graduated aviators at the graduation party. Iceman, Hollywood, and Maverick are sent to the Enterprise immediately for a crisis situation, providing air support to rescue the SS Layton, a disabled communication ship that has drifted into hostile waters. Maverick and Merlin, Cougar's former Rio, are back up for F-14s flown by Iceman and Hollywood, with Iceman concerned about Maverick's mental state. Subsequent hostile engagement with six MiGs sees Hollywood shot down. Maverick is scrambled alone due to a catapult failure, nearly retreating when encountering circumstances similar to those causing Goose's death. Finally rejoining Iceman, Maverick refuses to leave him without a wingman, shooting down three MiGs. 
Iceman also gets one, and the other two flee. Upon their triumphant return to the Enterprise, the pilots share a newfound respect for each other. Maverick throws Goose's dog tags overboard in an attempt to move on from his friend's death. Offered any assignment he chooses, Maverick returns to Top Gun as an instructor. At a bar in Miramar, he and Charlie reunite. Roll credits. So yeah, the graduation party is uh, interrupted. Well, now we're back in the Indian Ocean. Right. We're back on the boat where we started from, and they're going over the mission. It's not a boat. It's a ship. They're doing their briefing, and uh, Strickland, I'm going to call him Strickland from Back to the Future. Stinger. Stinger. Strickland. What's the fucking difference? Um, Is telling them where they got to do, what they got to do, and... uh, you know, after it's all done, Iceman goes up to Stinger and says about Maverick. <laughs> and Stinger just shuts it down, right? I know what's on your mind, Kazanski. Just get on it. You had to know that when uh Maverick was left on the aircraft carrier that he was gonna have to be he was gonna have to get thrown into um the mix. One thing I didn't catch, I think, from my first go around with it was the point about the hundred miles that the missiles could fire a hundred miles off of a MIG and hit that ship. And I guess I didn't catch that the first time. So I didn't get the tension later on when they kept calling out the numbers, 160 miles away, 130 miles away, they're 110 miles away. I didn't catch that tension of if they hit that hundred miles, they lose. Potentially. Uh, I didn't put that to, I didn't realize the, it was about the missiles. Uh, reaching the ship yeah because i guess that was the whole point of why they were calling out how many miles away they were from that ship i took it as jurisdiction that they were outside their jurisdiction if they're 100 miles outside their jurisdiction we go get them yeah but i think they made the point of saying that a mig can hit a ship from 100 miles away with one of their missiles i must have missed that part as they're getting their orders to go to uh the uss enterprise uh viper says to maverick uh you know, Maverick, you'll get your Rio when you get there. Uh, and if you don't, give me a call. I'll fly with you. You know, and I just thought that was such a poignant moment. And uh, Viper really cared. And Viper put his trust into Maverick and said he would go up and fly with him. I just, I don't know. I, I just really fucking love that scene. I agree with you 100%. And it's interesting to show just how much faith, like, all of the top guys had in him. Even Stinger himself He's putting out their guy that they know potentially has some mental issues going on right now. And he tells Iceman to shut the hell up because basically he's still an amazing pilot. So it's on Iceman and Slider are with Hollywood and Wolfman. And you had to know right off the bat that Hollywood and Wolfman were going down. (laughs) Might as well have been wearing red shirts. Oh, a hundred percent. But you know, classy move on the filmmakers. They didn't kill him. They just shot him down. And then they made a point to show them parachuting. Yes, absolutely. And then, uh, you know, they say launch Maverick and then the music hits and he takes off and he flies up, you know, Iceman is flying around calling for help, you know, firing break, right. This, that, and the other, um, as soon as Maverick takes off, I like what he says. He says, this is Maverick. I'm supersonic. I'll be there in 30 seconds. <laughs> so that moment when he takes off, oh my gosh, this camera work that happens when Maverick leaves the, the uh, aircraft carrier is just so damn impressive. You've got this 60,000 pound object that is catapulted off 300 feet 
and in two seconds you're going 150 miles an hour. I know. Holy shit! Yeah, that is so impressive. And I loved the camera work uh, as we watched the aircraft carrier leave behind us. And I just love the aerial uh, camera work that they gave in this dogfight. Just incredibly, incredibly uh, satisfying to watch. Yeah. So Maverick Supersonic, he'll be there in 30 seconds. And as kind of you could have you could have called this is as soon as Maverick sees what's going on, he immediately wants to run, and he goes back to that whole bit because of he goes through jet wash. Is it after he goes through the jet wash? Yeah. No. And he has one flame out, but then it flames back on again. Yeah. And so he disengages and the, God damn it, I knew it. But he he jumps back in, he reengages and he gets in. And Maverick's reengaging, sir. <laughs> and I love how Stinger keeps picking up the phone. Where? Where are they? Oh, you know that whole bit with the catapults? Both of the catapults broke. How long will it take to fix? 10 minutes. Bullshit, 10 minutes. This thing will be over in two minutes. Get on it. That would never, ever happen. On an aircraft carrier where you would lose both catapults. It is statistically uh, unfathomable because it has never happened. I was just going to say, what did you guys think of this whole dogfight scene with the the MiGs and all that? How it was filmed? Oh, it's unbelievable. And, And these are the moments that I think makes Top Gun what Top Gun is, right? Um, they build tension, uh, the the uh, the photography is just I mean it's magnificent especially for 1986 going back and watching it again last night it holds up it does the aerial scenes hold up I'm gonna put that caveat in there I would honestly in my opinion of comparing this scene this flight scene to all those the storyline and the tension in the scene were probably at the highest but I think some of the flying scenes and the actual jets. The footage was actually better in some of the earlier flying scenes, especially when they're in the Top Gun school doing the hops. Yeah, maybe. This one seemed more choppy, kind of thrown together. It almost looked like they just took a bunch of stock footage, combined it with some explosions and some gunfire, things like that, and just told us the story of what happened. Did you hear about the uh, the scene with the aircraft carrier uh, trying to get those takeoffs and landings in the sunset in the beginning, how much that cost them? Uh was it twenty five grand to well, turn the boat well, around? Well, sort of. Tony Scott he wanted he wanted just a little bit more time, and so he asked, "Can we turn the aircraft carrier around?" And the skipper tells him, "Oh, it's going to cost twenty five thousand dollars if I got to turn it." So yes, it cost twenty five grand. So, so what did he do? So on the spot, Tony Scott wrote a check for twenty five thousand dollars, and anybody it bounced. <laughs> He got the shot, though. <laughs> Fucking A, he did. Um, I'm sure somewhere they cleared it, and they, the, I'm sure the Navy got taken care of. But so satisfying once we uh, have those kills happen. And, you know, Maverick, he ends up getting three kills, and Ice gets one kill. I was so pumped up at the end, you know, with the guitars playing as we come back and, and then uh, request permission to do a flyby. And Iceman is right there with them. Even though the, the no pattern is full, Iceman goes right alongside Maverick with them. Yeah, they're and, both douchebags, right? And this this kind of builds their friendship, right? So 
Um, yeah, this was this was a great scene, great finale, and then we get the you know they land and they they hug and and celebrate, and there was always a bit that always bothered me. When Slider comes to pick up Maverick, his glasses are off. And then they cut to a medium shot of them hugging and Maverick's glasses are on. And then they cut back to Slider putting them down and his glasses are off again. So so stuff like that bothers you? Did you notice the inconsistency in the airplane numbers? No. Good thing. Don't look for that. But it's in there. Well, there you go. But that's not as blatant as fucking a medium shot of Tom Cruise's face with and without glasses. Mm Mm-hmm. So after all of this, uh, we get Maverick yeah. is reflecting. But no, you get that, you get that line. Oh yeah, I guess I can't forget the line, right? It's it's probably the best, the most iconic line of the movie. I think, Argu- that, argu- that, arguably, that is a very interesting question. Very interesting question. And what would that line be? You, you are still dangerous, but you can be my wingman anytime. Bullshit. You can be my wingman. You can be mine. I just wanted you guys yeah. to say it. Fucking kill me. Um, yeah, a fucking iconic line. And then the theme. And he's, <laughs> and he's looking out. He's got the dog tags, right? Um, and he throws the dog tags into the ocean. Stupid. Kind of. Were you as... Kind of. I, I get... I guess I can kind of get why he does it, but it's kind of a dick move, right? I mean, yes. those were Goose's dog tags. So anyways, uh, he goes, uh, he throws the dog tags into the ocean, and then Stinger comes up to him and says, you know, even though the other side denies the incident, and you, if you ever notice, they never say which side. They never identify the country. Yeah, they did. Smart. Very they, smart. It was on yeah. purpose. Yeah, of course it was. Did you notice in the background? When he's, t- when they're talking? We have Goose's locker. Why is Goose's locker still having his name on it? Well, because he was with the USS Enterprise. Yeah, but it, it's it's like a, a piece of paper that like they tape on there, or maybe it's a piece of tape. Maybe Maverick did that when he got there just to keep Goose. Maybe tired. you know what I mean. Maybe yeah. So Stinger walks in and says, "You know, good job. Now they're going to give you anything you want. What do you want to do?" And he goes, "Oh, I'm going to be an instructor." This I never. God, this always bothered me that they just spent all this time training him up at the Top Gun school. You know, how many pilots get to go through this Top Gun training to be able to go out and do this kind of dogfighting that they just did? And instead of utilizing that skill that they just trained him in, now he's going to go to school and train other pilots. I thought they'd use him a little bit more until he's ready to retire and go do the Top Gun school. Why send him straight to the Top Gun school? Because he got his choice. I know, but that just seems like a waste to me that he chose to do that. So blame Maverick. Don't blame the Navy. I know. I'm just saying. It was a weird way to write the story, to have him choose that. Oh, I don't think so at all. Think about it. Top Gun's only eight weeks. Yeah, but What are you going to do in between? I don't Go know. sit on an aircraft carrier and wait to be, and wait to be um, used. Yeah, that's, I guess that's a great point. <laughs> um, so now we go back to he's at the bar. And uh, we get You Lost That Love and Feeling playing on a jukebox. And we see Charlie and she comes back and they reunite uh, for only for God knows how long because she's still taking that job and leaving. But at least they reconciled. and But they're going to have forget- forever together, aren't they? Yes, they are going to have forever together. All right, there you go. Top Gun. What else you got? Well, we have finally landed the plane, I think. <laughs> you guys ready to rate this bitch? Not quite yet. Oh, for fuck's sake. 
And now it's time for John's... Moment. I'm flying it on in and landing on deck. This is the point in our podcast that I like to compare any movie that we are reviewing to Lord of the Rings. Because, well, basically, everything relates to Lord of the Rings. So when I break down this movie, Top Gun, I feel like the fellowship is all of the pilots at the flight school. They all are there to support each other. When it comes to Frodo, it's pretty obvious we have to go with our main lead character, Lieutenant Pete Maverick Mitchell. He is the one who goes on the hero journey. His ego is represented by the chip he carries on his shoulder, much like a ring on a chain around his neck. It writes checks his body can't cash. The physical representation of the ring could be looked at as the Top Gun uh, Award or Top Gun Trophy. That's everything that Maverick's ego represents. It isn't until Goose's death that Maverick is able to cast off that chip on his shoulder or basically throw the ring into Mount Doom to complete his journey. So if Maverick receives his ring from his father or basically gets the chip chip on his shoulder from his father, that would make Duke Mitchell Bilbo Baggins as Bilbo is the parental figure to Frodo and gave him the ring. Regarding Sam... The obvious choice would be to say it's Goose, but really I believe Sam is represented by two characters in Maverick's life. 50% of Sam is Goose, but 50% is also Charlie, as it is her that helps Maverick the most, especially at his weakest point, in which he helps the hero complete his journey after he loses Goose. The other 50%, as I mentioned, goes to Goose, who shares many elements of Sam. Much like when Frodo sent Sam away in Return of the King, when Maverick lost Goose, he began to travel down the wrong path and ended up getting caught in a spider web of self-doubt and almost com- and it almost completely derailed the journey. But Goose represents more than just Sam, more than just his Rio. Goose is a part of our hero. Frodo carries the ring on a chain around his neck, and in many ways, Goose is that chain to Maverick. Now, Aragon, I'm going to have to go with Jester because he is a leader and is making all the commands. Gandalf, I had to pick Viper due to the fact that he is a pseudo father figure to Maverick and is the one who imparts all the wisdom. And finally, I want to mention where Iceman fits in. I had to think long and hard about where I wanted Iceman or which character was best representative of Iceman. While they are part of the same team, he has his own agenda and, sink, and seeks the Top Gun title for himself. He is not the enemy as he is part of the Fellowship. So because of that, I felt that he was more of a Boromir character in that he doesn't believe in the hero initially, but in the end is still on the same side. So that is my Lord of the Rings representation. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <clears throat> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, what do you think? Uh, let's see here. Frodo, Sam, Boromir, Sam, Gandalf, Aragon. I give this a solid C. Well, there you go. A C from the professor. Why is that, professor? Uh, I kind of sort of like the fellowship part, but I differed when it came to splitting Sam up between Charlie and Goose. I feel like Goose is Sam, period. And I also, uh, Boromir for Iceman, eh, eh. 
Gandalf for Viper. Yeah, I understand, but I I, I didn't see strong connections. Yeah, I see, I see connections, just not strong connections. Is that how you feel? You don't want to know my grade. The I, can I just respond to why I you know, normally I would say Goose is Sam. But Goose wasn't there throughout the whole journey, whereas Sam was. And Sam didn't die in the story. So that's why I feel like it was the two characters. Who were the two main characters that helped Maverick go from point A to point B? Aragon and Sam. Well, I would say it was was Goose and Charlie. Charlie was the one who helped him along the way, came to him, and I think helped really change his character throughout the movie. Goose was almost an appendage of maverick more than he was helping him on his journey this is why i'm going to tell you why charlie didn't help him because if he wanted help he would have asked for it (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i'm gonna give you a c as well good sir so there you go and that was john's moment so what do you guys think you guys ready to rate this bitch i'm ready to rate this bitch john you ready to rate this bitch talk to me goose Professor, how do we do our ratings? We do our ratings on a scale of one to five fucks. Five fucks is a movie that is cinematic gold. You're ready to watch this anytime. Somebody says you want to watch it? Yep. Yeah, I'll watch that. A one fuck movie is something that you've seen it and you have no desire to see it again. You were drawn in to see it for whatever reason. And after you're done, it's like, I'm done. I I don't need to ever see that again. All right, and what is a zero? A zero fuck movie is somebody owes me two hours of my life back. You know what? I just hit my my head on the canopy, and I am dead. You are dead for making me watch that again. And in other words, we just don't give a fuck. And I can can I just throw out real quick? Ow! Fucking bringing Goose's death into that. That's <laughs> a nice touch. Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> fuck! It happened in 1986. All right, I'll go first. What? No way. Oh, I'm sorry. Do do you want me to say it again? You go first. Top Gun. What can I say about Top Gun that we haven't really already said? Uh, I saw it back in 86 when it came in the theater. I bought it when it was on VHS. I had it when it was on DVD. I have it on Blu-ray. I mean, Top Gun was a staple. And I think uh, going back and looking at it, a lot of it was for nostalgic reasons. You know what I mean? Uh, watching it again last night, uh, I really appreciated the uh, cinematography for the aerial footage. And it holds up. And I've been saying that all night, that this stuff really holds up. The soundtrack holds up. I listen to the soundtrack uh, a lot. The cast, the cast was brilliantly cast. And this is where we said, um, you know, Tom Cruise's fuse got lit. And I agree with that 100%. Uh, Tom Cruise is never the same after this movie. Uh, unfortunately, not everybody uh, made out the same way uh, with the cast. But, you know, what happened happened and uh, it is what it is. What doesn't hold up for me really is the story between uh, Charlie and Maverick. Uh, normally, I'm a big fan of love stories and I like it. But for some reason, even back in 86, I didn't buy the chemistry with McGillis and Cruz. And I didn't buy it again last night. Uh, the volleyball scene is completely out of place. And um, it's a fine scene. It's shot really well. And it looks great on screen. But it just kind of feels out of place in the movie. The only thing that saves it for me, again, is that Kenny Loggins song, Playing With The Boys. Um, You know, 
you go back and you look at Tom Cruise's greatest movies like we talked about earlier, and yeah, it does sit in the top three. And I think mostly for me it sits in the top three is because of all the aerial stuff. But the, all that aerial stuff isn't enough for me to rate this really high. Um, so for that reason, I am giving Top Gun 3.5 fucks. Well, fuck yeah. That's about what I was thinking you were going to go with. Really? Yeah, about yeah. that. Interesting. Interesting. Can I go next? Sure, buddy. Top Gun, 1986. This is an iconic movie for me. It is so much fun to watch each time I watch it. It has so many memorable quotes as I watch the movie. It's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, I got to say it, too, you know, when they're saying it. And even though we haven't discussed it necessarily, there are several little lines that I use a lot. It's part of my, you know, vernacular as I, you know, have my isms of things that I say. I totally dug the uh, the chemistry that happens between uh, Maverick and Iceman and the rivalry that they uh, have imposed upon each other with themselves. I loved Tom Skerritt in this movie. The aerial sequences are beautifully shot. I am so enthralled every time I watch it. And it is so heartbreaking when we say goodbye to Goose. And I love how this movie propels itself along that ultimately we get a, um, a little resolution, if you will, that we get to watch them putting their newly honed skills into real life in that they have to go and defend democracy or, you know, assist an ailing ship. And we end up back where we started, which was in the Indian Ocean, back on board the aircraft carrier. The love interest that we have in Charlie, I thought was okay. And I didn't necessarily feel the chemistry between the two of them either. And I thought that it was not bad, but it certainly uh, is one of the lesser aspects of the movie. Overall, I think that this is a very fun, uh, typical summer movie that is very strongly represented as a, 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 a summer blockbuster movie, and it feels so very Hollywood. I give this movie four solid fucks. All right, so we got four solid fucks from the professor. Comic book guy, you're up. Top Gun style was in line with the MTV era of movies during that time. Fast action, popular music, and pretty boy leads. This movie was also a great mix of action plus emotions. Just the action alone made you feel all types of emotions. The casting of Tom Cruise in the lead was a risky business, as he hadn't previously had all the right moves as a blockbuster breakout star, but more of an outsider playing side characters, especially with his movie just before this one being a legend airy box, off, box office loser. Maverick's characteristics, boyish charm, combined with his out-of-control ego, would be, go on to be a staple of Tom Cruise's future performances, and this movie launched Cruise into the action hero spotlight. The chemistry between Kilmer and Cruz worked in this movie. The cinematography and the settings were spot on in this movie and the music was perfect. 
To this day, you can't hear Take My Breath Away or Danger Zone without thinking of Top Gun. And Steve Stevens' Top Gun anthem joined other iconic riffs that will be forever associated with the movie that it comes from. I remember when I first saw this movie and I was blown away by the sounds and the action, but my younger self was unimpressed with the love story and the emotional heartbreak. This go around, while I took in much more of the actual story, it still felt a bit fast paced to me. And maybe that's how it's supposed to be, you know, with the theme of jets and flying and speed, maybe the story is supposed to be fast too, but it didn't really work well for me. These characters live just as fast on the ground as they do in the air, and that's maybe the way it's supposed to be. For all those reasons, I give Top Gun three and a quarter fucks. So four solid fucks from the professor, 3.5 fucks from me, and 3.25 fucks from the comic book guy gives us an average of 3.6 fucks. 3.6 fucks, which puts it in slightly better than... Little Miss Sunshine, Peanut Butter Falcon, and Heat, and slightly worse than The Outsiders, The Batman, and Halloween. I, w- I would agree with that. <laughs> All right, so that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Three Guys in a Flick. We just want to thank Zach, Ronnie, and Jill for always listening. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Ronnie. Thanks, Jill. And if you are curious to find out about which movie we are going to be reviewing next, be sure to check out our website and any social media posts that we have. Hey, speaking of which, John, where can they find us? If you're interested in listening to some of our other podcasts, reading our show notes, as well as movie trivia and other information, you can always go to our website, threeguysinaflick.com. We're also available on all the social media platforms, as well as every place that hosts podcasts. All right, so make sure you go and check us out there. And if you are listening to us on Apple, please be sure to leave us a five-star rating. That really helps the podcast. For Three Guys in a Flick, I'm Don. I'm John. And I'm Ken. Thanks for flying with us. So you thought it was a good professor? Mm-hmm. Okay, if I go back and listen to it and it's dog shit, then that's you're getting on the you. microphone out again. And I know, again, and while I'm doing that, I'm fucking cursing your fucking name when because when I had to come you, I said it was own. good. And you said, oh, it sounds movie. fine. And then you I look over at John, and John says, oh, you might want to do it a little more fired up. And I said, how the fuck you want me to get more fired up? That's what I'm fucking saying. That's what I've been saying, and I will curse your fucking name. Or the devil. Well, they call him the darkness. I know what they fucking... This fucking guy. Do they call him the devil in it? No. They call him the darkness. Yes, but if you look at the fucking internet, which you fucking love, they fucking call him the devil. No, they call him the darkness. No, they call him the devil. Well, they're wrong. Huh. Weird how that works, huh, Professor? On the internet? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, so however you want to say it. Okay. I can go back and cut this last five minutes. Exactly. Buddy. Bow, 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 bow. So I'm guessing I should probably just fucking loop it that in, right? <laughs> Who's texting you? What are we talking about? Interesting. Where you're not here. You're not on the fucking mic. You're on your fucking phone. It was my father. God damn it. I'm John. I'm Ken. <laughs> Let's do that again. What I wasn't the? expecting you to get there so fast. Yeah, <laughs> I get that a lot. So I got a question. What was Goose's last name? Bradshaw. 
who other famous what other famous Bradshaw is there in the you know media world? Seriously? There's Carrie Bradshaw. Do you think they're related? Terry Bradshaw? Carrie. Who's Carrie Bradshaw? Sex in the City. Really? They quote Top Gun all the time in Sex in the City. They do? Yeah. I wouldn't know. Why in the fuck would you know that? I don't want to talk about it. I was thinking that, but I wasn't going to say it. I mean, I went to Terry Bradshaw. At least he was a fucking quarterback. That's where I was. In the media world, it's like, but he was known as a football player before that. I was actually originally thinking of the Bradshaw from WWE Wrestling. Oh, for fuck's sakes. That's, that's almost even worse, bud. All right, fuck off. Good night.